the name of the values that keep you alive do not let your vision of man be distorted by the ugly, the cowardly, the mindless, and those who have never achieved his title. Do not lose your knowledge that man's proper estate is an upright posture, an intransigent mind, and a step that travels on limited roads. Do not let your fire go out sparked by replacing the spark and hope the swamps of the approximate are not quite the not yet and not at all. The world you desired can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Today, we have a really exciting episode with a representative from Brave. Uh, Luke is here to tell you a little bit about their privacy-preserving browser. So thank you so much for being here, Luke. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm glad to make it on the podcast. So to get it started, I was hoping you could give us a little background as to how you first came to know about Brave and why you got involved personally. Yeah, so I actually, um, I've been at Brave for quite a while, actually. I, um, I first joined in, uh, I first started consulting with Brave in March of 2016. Um, I was in advertising, uh, and so I worked for a company called OEO, and I basically did, I was a director of ad products there, so I kind of worked between ad uh, sales, ad operations, and the publishers, and made sure that everything kind of flew through the pipes. And um, before that, I did a couple of startups and was in publishing as well. And um, what I saw with Brave is I've always been kind of, I've been into privacy, and I've always kind of been keeping an eye on things in, in that world. And, um, and when I was at my job, I was kind of seeing how more and more of the privacy was going out the window as people had more and more connected devices and uh, and how that kind of was starting to really pile up. And I saw what Brave was doing. I think it was, you know, the spec or, or the, the the request for comment for Brave payments at the time, which was their Bitcoin based um, publisher payment tool. And I said, well, you know, I saw that, saw that Brendan was kind of leading it, read some of the blogs and stuff. And so this is something real and um, started talking with them. And then came on full-time later that year before we did the token sale or anything like that. And then worked on the white paper with the team. And then, um, yeah, the rest was kind of history. So, um, that's awesome. We got yeah. it on the ground floor for the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big risk, especially then. I mean, like no one really knew, I mean, like, you know, people, the reception was kind of frosty from, um, uh, some of the publishers and, um, you know, it, you never know with a startup. But. Yeah. Well, when you're right, Rocking the boat. I mean, if they're getting angry at you, it's usually a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so coming from the ad space, how, just how much, you know, did you notice that advertisers were using this data that was being collected online? Uh, and just how much uh, tracking is going on on a day-to-day -day basis as people browse the internet? It's, it's so much that it's really hard to kind of fathom. And I think that's the thing that really got me um, motivated to uh, move over to Brave when I first started talking with them is because, you know, like it used to be a traditional thing where, you know, you had, you have an endpoint at your house, you know, uh, maybe you have a laptop and you're moving around, but once mobile kind of took over um, and then you, you mix that with uh, stuff that publishers were doing around data warehousing and, um, and programmatic advertising really started taking off. And once that all started to kind of go in a direction, it became incentivized to collect more data. Um, and, and so that's when you really started to see things kind of go haywire. And one of the things I used to talk about with publishers when I first started here is, you know, it's at the time it was like 2017 or whatever, but like you look at 
load times and and things still continue to load on the page or behind the scenes without you knowing about it that slow down the process and it's like why is that happening as we get further on in time technology should be getting faster and improving these things and it's because the incentives are in the wrong place right like um, more and more of these companies are collecting more and more data they're collecting data to know what to bid against and then they're using that data in other applications and i think that um it, the snowball effect has been it, it's really hard for people to fathom how much of their data is constantly being collected um and uh it's it's hard to even explain really i mean um but you know think about how life was before you had you know a tablet or you know navigation in your car or all these things kind of linked to your single identifier right like um they can try to anonymize that stuff but as long as it's kind of getting enough key pieces of information um, about you, they, it's not that hard to figure out who you are. So with the tools that you did build into the browser, how easy was it to take what was already there and sort of retrofit it? And did you guys have any pushback from, you know, Google or anyone else who was, you know, building the sort of the structural foundation of the Chrome browser? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, you know, one of those interesting things about, us being Chromium based, um, especially, you know, last year we, we forked over the front end um, in addition to the back end. Um, it was just how many services call home, phone home to Google, right? Like um, yeah. on a regular basis, which is even in the open source version of Chromium, you know, there was a, a number of them. And we have this actually on our GitHub um, listed where you can see how we deviate from Chrome because we either block or proxy out a lot of that traffic. Um, but uh, but to bring it back to the advertising question, so when I first started talking to Brave, we were trying out ad replacement like um, uh, for for people that wanted it, um, and um, it turns out you know you can't really attribute you know activity back without tracking people, right? So um, yeah. we instead of almost retrofitting it, we're actually like kind of starting from zero right like and i think that where we're able to do some innovate on the the attribution and measurement side is around you know using these um the the ad confirmation event protocol that our team has put together where you know they can they can attribute for ad activity um, from the ad view to uh to the landing page you know uh through the funnel without having to track it back to a user id um and so it's been a really uh it's been a really big thing that we've been able to do to innovate uh, compared to having, you know, tracking pixels and all these things that are, you know, collecting your data all the time. So that's one front where we're doing it differently. Um, the other front is around how we're actually serving the ads too. So normally as you go from site to site, you know, your, your browser will make calls to uh, through the publisher page to ad servers and then that and then more calls go out to other ad servers. And then finally, you know, after an auction, one of the winning ads is, is sent to you and a bunch of other trackers and all that stuff. We're saying like, look, you don't need to do that. Like um, on the device, your browser has your complete profile, right? So um, instead of having these things rely on the cloud, why don't we push an, a catalog of all the available ad inventory to the devices every couple hours and then put machine learning on the device that'll actually use your browsing profile and compare that against the available ads and match those ads directly on your browser. And so you don't have to have, you know, all of your data leaking, all of your data can actually stay on the device this way. So that's the other way where we're really kind of innovating um, compared to traditional advertising is by, you know, changing the way that the, the attribution can have so it can be anonymous, but uh, accountable, um, you know, using math and, and cryptography. And then um, 
also in, in how you deliver it. You know, like if we can send in a catalog to all the devices and then match to the profile, then really you don't need to have all these other vendors and, and all these different versions of you that these different vendors have. You have one complete version that's local to you and none of your data has to leave your device. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And that's actually the company that I started. We're using the exact same uh, <laughs> ontology, essentially, with oh, all really? device matching. Yeah, it's it's essentially what you guys are doing, except it, uh, instead of using search history, we're using all of the other data that a user has, like Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, financials, and essentially letting the targeting uh, essentially query into like their own personal servers or their own personal Kind of like a vault kind of thing, like you've yep, got your, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, a yeah, data vault that you can query into. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> so that's very kind cool. of the idea. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's great to hear. I think that is the future. It's decentralizing all of this away from the centralized cloud centers as much as possible, pushing things to the device, trying to do as much of the analytics on the device as possible, and that's becoming more and more doable as the devices become more and more powerful. And, you know, the newest iPhones, I think, can do like a trillion calculations a second or something insane, a billion or a trillion. Um, that's, so that's, you're getting... This is a thing, too. I mean, like, how much is this, the bandwidth and, and resources are just waste on this broken model of, of, of collection and targeting? Reloading right? trackers and old HTML yeah. plugins, yeah. I mean, the thing that was, like, super interesting to me, like, when I started, I mean, because I would have to do network analysis like in my prior job, you know, because we'd want to help optimize, you know, programmatic bidding and all that stuff. Um, but like after I started working at Brave, it was a different hat, right? Like we were looking at this on behalf of the user and uh, and you go to some of these sites and it's like four or 5,000 requests happening <laughs> over a 10 minute period. And you're like, why? You know, like it just ends up being junk data, but like, Think about how much of your privacy you're giving away. It's pretty nuts, like when it comes down to like the nuts and bolts of it. But you know. and that's one thing I really love that you guys have done is you push that to the forefront and you've said, "Here's how many trackers we've actually stopped. Here's how much time you're actually saving." So you're you're making it tangible. You're making the benefits sort of uh, first and foremost to the user experience. Yeah, the Brave Stats hashtag is like one of my favorite things to see. And I used to be more religious about doing this, but like every quarter I would kind of try and get people to put them on Twitter because it was always so cool to see those numbers add up over time. And people really got a kick out of it too, like you're saying. Yeah, no, I love it. So for the people who maybe haven't had much experience with crypto, do you feel like the Brave token is pretty accessible to people? And maybe before you answer that, uh, maybe I guess start with, why the Brave token exists and why you guys chose to use that model. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, so our, we have our native token in the browser, which is a basic attention token. Um, it's a, the, listed as the BAT, um, and it's an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and I think, you know, like I was talking about earlier, when we first gave it a go to try and, uh, and do ad replacement, um, you know, the trackers are what really are used for accounting. And um, what's novel about what we can do um, with the Ethereum blockchain and eventually, right, like um, as, as this scales up is, you know, you have this unit of account. So instead of having it be, you know, a couple different uh, measurement vendors, uh, we say, okay, like we're measuring the attention locally. Um, the token is the means of, of the attention. And, uh, and, and by the way, you know, users are getting rewarded uh, with our tokens for viewing ads, which is another difference in our model. Um, we can use this token as a way to kind of like unify uh, the message and, and, the, and the goal of what we're trying to do and say like, look, 
you know, if, if you're receiving tokens from, from viewing ads, you know, as a person, it shows you that your attention has value. And, and by doing that, when people see the ad, right, like it shows them that there's a value in, in, in opting in. Because I think the fundamental difference between what Brave is doing versus other browsers is we block everything that would try to collect your data without your consent, right? And then uh, and then we have these opt-in platforms. So Brave Rewards is opt-in, the ad platforms opt-in. And, and when you have that shift, it, it goes from conditions where you're opting out of having your privacy invaded to actually opting into having control over where you share your data and how you share your data and who you share your data with. Um, and uh, the token is kind of the means of measurement for, you know, the value of that attention. Um, so in the beginning, it's, I mean, we, we initially did this with publishers where, you know, people could tip or automatically contribute based off of their browsing. Um, and then now with advertising, we're, you know, we're showing users that their attention has value um, when they receive these tokens from viewing ads. And so um, that's what was really kind of revolutionary about what we're doing um, with having our own token for this, because it's not like Bitcoin or something else where, you know, there's a bunch of different use cases for this. Like for us, it was a very distinct use case with this token. It's a unit of account for attention and attention-based services on our platform. And then, you know, how people choose to use that outside of Brave is up to them, right? Like um, our tokens listed, I think it's on over 150 different uh, exchanges across the globe, right? Like it's a pretty accessible token. Um, uh, it's like on Coinbase and, you know, uh, I think Binance just picked this up too. Like it, it, it's easy to get if you need to get it. Um, but that's all through secondary, you know, markets. Like within the browser, like the whole point of the token is to kind of be this unit of account for attention um, and attention-based services. No, and I totally agree. I think using attention as sort of the underpinning of the currency makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, our, our attention is really the most valuable thing we can give um, and it's finite. So it creates the scarcity that you would naturally want from something like that. As far as the token goes, uh, I did some work also with some content creators and some publishers of something called Starcoin. We were trying to get, <laughs> we had like Will Smith and Akon and these guys oh, wow. who wanted to create like this celebrity coin. Of course, they all, you know, they all backed out at the last minute because a few of their friends got up burned for some crypto, uh, <laughs> crypto <laughs> schemes. Uh, right. It was right around the time I think Paris Hilton was going down. Yeah, I was just going uh, like that. Yeah, that was, that was the moment. Oh, gosh. I'm but anyway, these flashbacks right now to 2017. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 2017 was a wild year for me. Um, so how hard is it for uh, content creators you think to get onboarded? Have any of them had any trouble uh, getting set up? Have you noticed that they need a little handholding? Yeah, so no, it's a great question. Like we kind of designed it to be, you know, e as easier, easier to, to start with than uh, starting, you know, advertising on your website, right? Um, and for, for YouTube creators and, and creators on like Twitter and uh, Reddit and, uh, and GitHub, et cetera, like it's just a matter of kind of using your, your same, you know, Google OAuth uh, for uh, verifying with our platform. So it's actually pretty easy. And then on the back end, they just go through the process with, um, with registering with Uphold so they can take the tokens and then, you know, uh, have them go to, to convert over to dollars to their bank account or they can hold the, the tokens in their wallet if they choose. Um, and so we try to make it easy for people that like have never have no idea what crypto is um, to, to kind of get onboarded and then, um, you know, give them options if they, if they want to hang on to crypto too. So um, we try to make yeah, it pretty easy. Same with advertisers you're, too. 
your integrations with like YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, GitHub, Vimeo, Twitch, I think all those are incredibly well done. It's so cool. If you haven't seen it, you know, you just, you're scrolling through your Twitter feed and all of a sudden next to their like button, there's a little donate that button. So you can just donate right there to your uh, content creator. So I think that's super well done. Um, and I think that makes it really easy. So have you found that content creators were using Uphold? I know you let them specify uh, how they want their payouts. So have you found most of them are taking them in BAT or are they, you know, going for cash? Yeah. So like, to be honest, I'm not terribly sure, like a hundred percent. Like I think, you know, half the circle has been kind of like, uh, you know, with, with crypto people, there's been pushback because, uh, you know, they, they usually want to bring their own wallet for this kind of thing. Um, for, for everybody else, it's been pretty easy and seamless. Um, I think that, you know, the way it's set up, it kind of, I think it defaults to convert to dollars. So that's been pretty easy for them. And then, um, we definitely have had cases where, you know, people have wanted to hold that. So they'll like, let us know. And then we can just walk them through and uphold support's been like super helpful. We work pretty closely with them, like, um, you know, in cases where, you know, we have to operationally, right? But also, like, with their support teams, where our support teams and their support teams, like, share, like, you know, like, um, uh, how we can be more effective together, you know, through the support uh, cycle and all that, and channels and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it's been pretty good so far. I mean, with, with regard to advertising, we're at about, like, we're almost at about 50 50 uh, USD to bat for. Uh, what's how the campaigns are being run so that's kind of surprising we expected it to be a lot higher on the usd side um just because of crypto being crypto but um but yeah we have so a lot of the advertisers, advertisers going on to exchanges and buying bat before they come to you or in those cases, yes, like they'll actually be holding bat, um, you know, because we have the option where, you know, advertisers can just pay us in USD. And then what we do is, you know, after we we can take that, you know, uh, after the rev share for the user and you just basically like on brave.com slash transparency, we've actually been putting the transactions um, on on our website. So you can see like when we're, we're oh, really? buying back bat from the revenue share yeah so like um it, it's like you know not a number right now but it's growing with time and, and it will continue to all this will with scale yeah no i don't have any doubt about that and uphold i think has been a really great platform i didn't have any trouble getting all onboarded and everything else it seems like makes the payouts really great especially internationally our company is having a nightmare paying out cash internationally right now so it's, uh, <laughs> and i mean it's, and I think if you look back at like 2017, like when uh, right after token sale, I think Uphold was one of maybe like, I don't know, five that actually supported ERC-20 tokens. Um, so it was like, you know, they've been a really good partner um, throughout. Yeah. So as far as the ERC-20 tokens, do you guys have any worry about international markets, like any you know regulations coming down on it? I know you guys sort of went with like a utility token as opposed to something more securitized. Are you worried about any of that going forward or do you think sort of the way you've set it up is probably going to um, stand the test of time? I mean, yeah, no, it's a great question, right? Like, and, and I recall back because our token sale was the end of May uh, 2017. And, and at the time, you know, the regulators hadn't really said much of anything, right? Like, um, yeah, and, and then the US, US the uh, SEC started to say things in July. And, um, but, but the world is much bigger than that, right? Like, so um, we basically were kind of like, 
watching as these different regulatory bodies were, were starting to chime in on it. But, but really, like, from our perspective, it's all about utility. And, um, you know, we have the token in the browser within six months of our token sale, right? So, like, we switched yep. over from Bitcoin to BAT, and it's just been utility, utility, utility. And, um, and so, you know, from our, from our case, we have a really strong utility case with the token. We've, we're really, you know, very much not uh, in the camp of speculating or, or treating it as anything other than what the white paper set out for it to be, which is a utility token. So um, our case is pretty strong there. And I think now when you look at the fact that, you know, we've got, you know, 8 million monthly active users, we've got the ad platform live using the token, um, we've got publishers that have been getting paid out for, you know, years now, uh, it all kind of adds up to an ecosystem. Yeah, and you know that's you got to get out in front of it, kind of like Uber did. If you just have something that people like and it's popular enough, the regulators <laughs> tend to uh, to follow suit with popular opinion. So I feel like that's. I mean, and if you look at the, I mean, if you look at the market too, like in 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 some of these other projects, we were like they didn't have like we were we were in the rarity in the fact that we had a browser before uh, our token yeah. sale right like uh, so many you products product just before kinda... you fundraised essentially <laughs> which is rare. it's just like vaporware on vaporware out there and um, yeah. and some of the behavior of these project leaders was really you know not that great you know where they'd be speculating on twitter or whatever and we've been very careful not to do anything like that you know mainly cuz we you know we're just focused on working <laughs> not yeah. like on Twitter so much. Yeah. It's, it's just not doing the extra work is not that hard. You got enough things to do. Right. <laughs> exactly. to yeah. So who are some of your biggest uh, content creators that are signed up and are, are they seeing like real tangible revenues from some of their users contributing or their fans? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, we got like, um, you know, uh, uh, what was, it, was going to say, um, like, like Barons and Market Watch have, have been verified for a while. Um, we've also got, you know, uh, uh, the New York, uh, not the New York Times, the LA Times, the Washington Post, um, uh, Vice has verified all of their YouTube channels. I mean, these numbers with the with the earnings, right? Like as we get to larger and larger scale, um, become more and more competitive. But early on, I mean, you know when you compare that with or couple that with our referral program too to get people on the platform we've seen content creators uh, that have made significant amount of money it's kind of one of those things where you know you get in what you put out and i think with our referral program you know we set a bit of a higher bar right like we want to make sure that people that are using it are actually using it but that comes with you know like i think in the u.s right now you can earn up to seven dollars and fifty cents for every yeah. uh, monthly user you bring in. So, like, you know, if you're out there and you've got influence and an audience, um, and and you know the product is good. So, like, I mean, you know, uh, getting people to stick yeah. has been the challenge. But I think you know, as these numbers reach larger and larger scale on the publisher side and the creator side, you know, it, it becomes competitive. I mean, we're giving them, you know, with the ad platform, our ad unit that's set out now is our user ad unit. So it's like directly to users. So um, our publisher ad unit that we'll be, we'll be coming out with uh, most likely Q1, um, uh, publishers will actually get 70% of the revenue. And if you look at that compared to what they're typically used to getting sure. from programmatic, you know, it's a significantly better deal. Um, and so what our hope is... On most. <laughs> 
exactly. I mean, well, or, or, you know, like uh, 30, 35%, right? Like, um, you know, really marginal and compared to what you can be getting, right? Like, so I think that, you know, with time, you'll see these numbers increase and it's all about kind of getting early adopters on and early publishers that want to try something new. Um, and, uh, and those who are on have been pleased enough to stick around. So um, plus the other thing is, you know, with our ad platform, we can, we can actually promote content too. So like with Barron's, uh, we actually have been running ads for Barron's content um, on the platform and people are kind of discovering new content that way. So I think you'll see more of that too with time. So um, there's also the piece where users can donate to publishers who haven't signed up. Is that right? So a publisher can come on and find that they've got a heap of tokens like sitting in their account. Yeah. So we, we have a little bit differently now than we used to. Um, so okay. we used to hold those tokens in escrow and then we would hand them over right now. We basically like um, when a user goes into the browser and they, they pledge like, to tip, you know, somebody that's not verified, um, we the browser will will basically set aside those tokens within the wallet on the client, and then we'll try and uh, call back and, and see if the creator is verified. I think it does it for about 90 days, and if the if the content creator hasn't verified within 90 days, then um, then the, the money just goes back, or the the tokens just go back into uh, the pool within the user's wallet. Um, but if the creator does verify within 90 days, those tokens go to them. So you can see a case where, you know, the community is out there trying to like get certain creators on and they are just like showing a slurry of activity. And then all of a sudden, you know, that person signs up and finds a bunch of back. Um, it has been neat to see, like we're working with nonprofits and um, it's been neat to see, you know, nonprofits getting excited about getting tips and, and things like that uh, more recently too. And you guys, you do have sort of like a nonprofit takeover day coming up or has that passed? Is that right? Uh, yeah, so we're actually working on um, uh, for for Giving Tuesday. We're we're going to be uh, working on that. Um, we have a partner, uh, the Giving Block. Um, they basically uh, work on tying together blockchain projects with um, with uh, with good causes. Yeah, they were they were on our um, uh, last episode, so the listeners should. Oh, be great, great. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. So so we've been working with them on that, and then um, and then also independently too. Um, we set up a ad grant program. So you know when you when you're running an ad server, um, you have inventory that you sell, and then there's usually you know unsold inventory, and so you typically throw in like we would throw in an ad for Brave or for the community or something like that. But in those opportunities, if we have nonprofits that are participating, we have them send ads uh, through the ad server and they serve instead of, you know, our own ads when we don't, when we have an opportunity where we haven't sold the inventory. So it's a way for us to give basically free ads to nonprofits um, every quarter. And then those nonprofits can, you know, encourage people to tip on the site because they verify with us. So like, it's a way to kind of pledge drive, right? So you've got like, yeah. you know, an additional awareness and then people can go there and they can easily contribute it, uh, to these causes um, directly from the browser. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the future of donations in a lot of ways is people are going to be, you know, donating things that they're getting for free. People already do that all the time. So I think we're going to see a big uptick in people's willingness to give as they're given things by companies like yours. So I think overall, it's creating a much more positive and generous uh, ecosystem. That's the thing I love about it. I mean, is that, you know, we can, we can serve ads and, and people can get those that they want, but like really, you know, like 
it's such a frictionless way of contributing, right? Like whether you're automatically doing it or, or just tipping, or we even have this uh, feature where you can set up a recurring tip. So like if I want to tip five bat every month, I can set it up and it kind of schedules that for you. So like these things, you know, you're the, the tokens almost like a freaking flyer mile in the browser, you know, you're just kind of accumulating these things as you do your normal stuff on the internet and then how you choose to use them, that's our challenge is to kind of come up with different ways for people to utilize those tokens. So um, we also are working with a partner uh, called the Tab Network, um, and this should be early next year, where you'll actually be able to use those tokens that you've been earning uh, towards a, a gift card for Starbucks or, you know, like a discounted hotel stay or something like that directly. Redemption options kind of in the browser. So um, there's all these new ways that we're looking at doing, uh, utilizing those tokens that you earn, but it's all kind of in the same vein of like, you know, getting rewarded for stuff that you should have been getting rewarded for anyway, but have been kind of left out of the, out of the uh, equation for too, way too long. Yeah, absolutely. So I was reading an article the other day about how, um, this is actually a little while back, about how Twitter, like embedded tweets and like news articles uh, would track you through browsers and long after you would, you know, exited out of the article. I was wondering if like a browser like Brave has the ability, at what level can you stop the tracking and at what level is it just, you know, too far gone? Are there, uh, I guess, you know, anything that's web-based, like I would assume you guys can probably stop and then anything, you know, down at sort of the app level, you've got your, you know, your Facebook messenger listening to your conversations. Obviously you guys don't know <laughs> too much about that. So, you know, how, how far can uh, your, prevention go yeah i mean i think the the cool thing and this was one of the really interesting things about coming to work for a browser company because you know people don't really think about browsers anything about it more of like a, like a, a picture frame or something you know like they're they're usually they use browsers but it's like okay with the uh, browser all right um anyway uh so you know it's really interesting from the browser level you have a lot you can control control entire protocols and prevent them from being used in the browser you know there's a lot of high-level uh, controls that you have, um, in addition to lower-level controls that you typically see through extensions um, on, on other browsers. So, like, within the browser itself, there's a ton of things that we can do to limit tracking. And by default, we have better tracking protection than anybody else in the browser space. Like, um, but, and that's with our default settings, right? Like, in Brave, you can get even more extreme with it if you want to, where, you know, we have private uh, tabs with Tor. So, like, you can actually connect with Tor through mm -hmm. private browsing, which is probably, awesome. you know, on, on, and then you can even turn off the JavaScript. So, like, you can run no yeah. script with Tor from Brave, and then really you're looking at where are the threats outside of my web browser, right? Like, so uh, is my operating system uh, selling me out? Which, you know, if you're on Windows, you might want to double check that, right? Like, there's a lot of, of, of things. That's been the difficult thing is that, you know, as the protection increases in the browser, like, it becomes, well, what's, what's the other noise that's happening, right? Like, and if you look at where operating systems have been going, they've been more and more cloud-based. And so, like, I mean, I, I, every so often, you know, I kind of have to run through the Windows onboarding process, and it's really surprising to see, you know, wow, I'm getting ads directly in the operating system. All of my all of my support pages I have to access through the Internet, and now I've got OneDrive kind of saving everything to the web. It's like yeah. kind of a dumpster fire <laughs> like, uh, as far <laughs> as privacy goes, right? Like, you, and, and some of these things are on um, by default, you know, the switches are on, so you can turn them off, but, like, you have to know what you're looking for. I think that's the disconnect, right? Like, people really, they put a lot of trust in, 
in these systems and you know uh, where's the where is that trust going like do those systems have their interest in heart or is it more along the lines of like you know can I safely kind of do this or you know I don't know it's 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 up to the people uh, at the end of the day like how what their threat model is and how um, how much they want to control it I think that if you're looking to completely eliminate tracking from your life, it's very hard now, especially if you're in the U.S., um, because it's gotten so invasive. But in those situations, the best thing you can do is limit the noise, right? Like, um, you know, if you have to give something away occasionally, that's better than giving them a fire hose, right? Like, so um, you can still limit the amount of information that's collected by you, but it's getting more and more difficult the more and more you have other devices that are also connected to the internet and, you know, using similar IDs or whatever, you know? Yeah. You want to create some scarcity of your personal data and make it a little more valuable. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you think about other companies like Gab who are taking sort of a similar approach as far as taking the fight to big tech? They're doing sort of their comment section of the internet with the center, um, which where they're allowing plugins to add like comment sections to any web page, sort of similar to how your guys are letting anyone tip from you know all these different sources. Um, so I guess I was wondering about sort of your stance on some of these uh, up and coming companies like Gab, which you know specifically has gotten a pretty bad rap. Uh, but it's also interesting because it's sort of the uh, the portal. So it's the next step. Uh, Gab users, I guess, it doesn't matter how good the privacy prevention is if, you know, Twitter knows who you are and is tracking all the things you're doing and reporting that back anyway. But the alternatives that you have, you know, they sort of push people to, to the edges. So uh, what's your opinion on uh, some sites like that? Yeah, like I'm not like ter- I don't really use Gab. I'm not terribly familiar. I'm familiar with them more recently because they uh, forked over uh, Brave for uh, their browser project. I think yeah. what's really interesting. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, well, we're open source uh, a browser. You know, like uh, open source company. So you know, the the code's there, right? Um, and uh, and you know, it's our ethos to, to be open about this stuff. Um, I think you know what's really interesting uh, uh, this year, especially has been the huge uh, uh, macro movement towards privacy um, uh, by big tech. You know, so you're looking at like companies and I, I just gave a presentation in New York uh, last week about this, where, you know, you look at some of these statements that the companies have made, like uh, uh, Zuckerberg at Facebook, you know, 2010 was basically like privacy is kind of no longer in the See, like guys, Google right? signs <laughs> around DC right now, every street corner is telling you how good they are about <laughs> privacy. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, and then that was the other one too, like, and, and where like, uh, uh, it was just, you know, within a month or so ago, uh, Google releases this privacy blog post where the first sentence they say is like, uh, privacy is paramount in everything we do. And it's like, you guys, are you, are you serious? You know, like, like yeah. who's, who are you? And, and, you know, rightfully, uh, security researchers came out and, and were immediately uh, writing counterposts to that because, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to, to care, start caring about privacy. It's another thing to just be like sweeping it under the rug. Their whole, yeah, yeah, or, or or their position was around how um, uh, blocking uh, tracking cookies was bad for privacy, and because they're going to use fingerprinting. Well, everyone's already using fingerprinting. Like they've been using yeah. ISIS work on these integrations years ago. Like, like it's, it's not like yeah. it's not like you're going to offset one with another when they're both, <laughs> you know. 
frequently used. Um, but I yeah. think it's really silly for them to have this position where they're like, you know, acting like they've been this great actor when like a year ago, Chrome, all of a sudden I'd go to Gmail and all of a sudden from signing into Gmail through the browser, I was authenticated into my web browser, which is very bizarre. Like, like why would, uh, a company like level up my authentication into the browser where then they're collecting everything around that. Like, and they say it's not the sync data or whatever, but like, okay. an identifier is an identifier, right? Like in a persistent identifier, it's, it's, if you look at it really from a brass tax level, um, you want to, they want to have a premium ad platform with Chrome. Uh, a Google user is a premium user, a piece of uh, premium product basically um, in their landscape. And, uh, and, and that's what they choose more power to them. I mean, like, as far as we're concerned, we're heads down on not knowing who our users are and, uh, and having that deniability that people would hope that their browser would have, right? Like, I think that's the key difference between us and everyone else is like, one, we're not out there to destroy the system. We're out there to create an alternative. But in order to create an alternative, you have to, like, really be honest about how you're approaching it. And if you can't water down tracking. You have to, like, kill it or, or and come out with some other new way of accounting right which is basically what we've done yeah i totally agree i think you know google has been one of the worst actors but it's hard for people because you know all the verbiage across all these companies is the exact same it's you know we're doing all of these things for privacy there's end-to-end -end encryption or whatever else but uh at the end of the day, you know, you can look at it from the 30,000 foot view and you realize Google has done such a good job, honestly, of finding every choke point where they might have missed a little bit of your data. Like from, you know, I've got my Google router, I've got my, I don't have a Google home, but, you know, people have their Google homes that's soaking up all that data. They've got their Nest cameras inside their house that's sending things off. So like they found every sort of choke point. They've got the OS and all of the Android phones. They've got your browser. They've got your <laughs> they've got your emails. They've got your Word doc. So I was typing something into a Word doc the other day and I got an ad for it. I was like, man, that's like, you know, it's impressive almost, but it's just it's gotten to the point where it's it's unnerving and actually, you know, counter to the end goal. I think it's just creeping people out more than it's selling them on anything. Well, and it's funny too, like the amount of data, right? Like, like just with it off, it just basically sounds like a, a monopoly over your data, right? Like, like, but they're they're good services, right? Like, and 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 you know, I mean, obviously, we're using Chromium-based browser, right? Like, um, they've got you know really smart people there, but when you look at with the quality, right? Like, they collect all of this data, but they still don't know like that I bought something yesterday that I'm getting yeah, advertised exactly. again the next day, right? Like, yeah. so, so it's kind of like, it's similar to like how people build up these arguments around like giving away your, your civil liberties, right? For, for this protection, like you have more of a chance of dying from, you know, a car accident than from terrorism, but there you've given everybody everything, right? To protect yourself, right? Like it's similar with this ad stuff where it's like, you want relevant advertising kind of, um, give over everything to Google, right? Like, mm -hmm. and now it's even shifting further because your data, I mean, like, the gig is up kind of thing now where like you've got all these companies that have to start to be strong about privacy and like the stuff Apple's doing is really innovative. And, and, you know, those companies are in a challenging spot where, you know, brave came in like brave wasn't an ad tech player. Like brave was coming in with a new way of dealing with the internet. And um, so we don't have to live by the old way of doing it at all. But some of these other companies where, they've been operating in this space for a long time. They, they're in a tough spot now where they've got, you know, 
a significant amount of people using the old system, right? Like, and, and they've got to figure out how to bridge that between having really good privacy and then also, you know, still with one foot in this really disgusting pool of just invasion, right? Like, um, and how do you kind of mitigate that, right? Like, and, and get that across. And I think Apple's doing uh, a really good job with that. Um, and I think that we're an example of like, if you're, if you have the ability to start from zero, how would you do it? Right. Like, and I think we're in that camp where like our stuff's so uh, designed for privacy that whether it's GDPR or, uh, you know, India or Brazil or anywhere really, like we can operate in all of these uh, uh, countries um, by design because we don't want to collect any other data. Right. So like uh, it's a, it's a, it's a shift in, it's a paradigm shift really from cloud to edge and, and, you know, and living from the edge basically. Yeah, I think the value proposition has just gotten to the point where the data is far more valuable than the services being offered, and that's only going to continue to become more so. And I think people are starting to realize that trade-off. And as that becomes more apparent, I think people are going to get a lot more free and a lot more aware of how this stuff all works. And I think, you know, the way Brave has done it, you've just taken the model that they built that was, you know, sort of somewhat necessary for the time or the best they could do, but engineered it in the smartest way possible so everyone can win and at the end of the day there's there's always a, a system where everyone comes out a winner you just have to be patient and smart enough to find <laughs> find out what that is exactly absolutely is there a, how much do you think on a day-to-day -day basis about you know the bat token and its price and i mean obviously it's not going to make you speculate but i'm just curious you know as an employee uh, how much do you think about that? How much do you guys pay attention to market movements and things like that? We don't really. I mean, to be honest, like um, so much of what we're doing, like the browser has so many moving parts, right? Like, um, and then you take a browser and then you put a token on top of it, right? Like, I mean, within the company, you know, like uh, we're holding, right? Like, I mean, um, and, uh, but we don't really speculate. Like, we don't really talk about this stuff internally too much. I mean, I think like, if you look at how, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're being responsible um, as an organization. So, like, we caught a lot of flack for being too centralized, right? Like, or, um, or, or, or you know, by not following certain patterns that market makers or, or, in, or uh, traders would prefer, right? Like, yeah. um, and, and we got a lot of flack for that, right? Like, and I think that, you know, part of it comes down to, like, do you want us to be the company that we aim to be? Right. Like, or yeah. is it more short term? Right? Like, yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, if you take the approach of an adult where, you know, not only are we like integrating the token, but also now we have 8 million people every month that are using a browser, right? Like if we do things that are very risky or try to treat things other than what we, we, we treat them as, you know, like in any different way um, that might, you know, smell like anything other than utility, then it's really a problem. I mean, like, and it's a big risk to our company. So we don't do it. I mean, like, we've been kind of religious about uh, being heads down and focused on the utility aspect of this. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I have tickers. I pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but I hold a bunch of other things too. Like, I'm excited about crypto. And I think that this space is like, the, the game change is huge. I mean, like, um, and, and the technology that's underlying all of this is like, revolutionary enough to have everybody from you know uh crypto kitties to uh jp morgan and 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 
banking institutions and Hyperledger and all these companies using the underlying technology because it's sound, right? Like, I mean, it's a major change. Um, so, uh, you know, it, the businesses that are building uh, on top of that are the ones that are going to be around and the ones that will have that long-term market value. Um, and the ones that are too focused on the short term are going to burn out. And I think we started to see that over the past couple of years. Yeah, from Crypto Kitties to JP Morgan. I love that one. <laughs> so that's pretty all-encompassing right there. Um, so what is what is next for Brave? What are the big things on the timeline uh, that you're excited about that you can share or give people a little preview to to get excited about? Uh, and also, um, I mean, I'm a part of the sort of Brave beta program, so I guess I was wondering, you know, how uh, how useful is it to be a part of that, and is that you know a good way to get a feel for upcoming features? Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, like, um, one thing I'm super excited about is, you know, we'll have ads on iOS, you know, uh, in November, um, which is kind of the last platform that we haven't introduced uh, advertising to yet. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, you know, obviously, like, iOS is always kind of, you know, playing by a different set of rules because of Apple, etc. But, um, but that's, that's the one thing I'm pretty excited about. Um, publisher ads are another area where I'm pretty excited about that. Um, you know, and uh, uh, just product improvements, right? Like um, one of the things that, you know, we we put a lot of time into things that aren't necessarily as flashy, but just making sure that like everything works as it's expected to work when you block all the bad stuff that you're supposed to block, right? Like uh, we put a lot of emphasis on that, but um, our crypto wallets feature um, is just landing now. I think um, it's been the interesting thing about Brave is, you know, if you want to browse the future, you can go jump on our, our nightly channel, which is like, you know, basically like a, a mirror of GitHub, right? Like it gets pushed out every day and you get nightly releases. Um, so if you want to see what features are coming in the pipe for desktop, you know, you can check that out really early. It's unstable. Don't do anything in there. You wouldn't be happy losing. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. but then there's, you know, there's dev and, and then our beta channel on top of that. And so, so things have three different release channels that they hit before they get to our main one that the release channel that you get when you go to brave.com and download the browser. Um, and so, you know, the crypto wallet feature is one that I've been using since it was in our uh, nightly uh, release. And it's one that basically, you know, it's a native Ethereum wallet in the browser. So you can click up to the blockchain and, and you know, transact and, and do all that good stuff that you'd want to be able to do. Um, and so I'm excited to see that kind of branch out because, you know, it, it opens up a lot of doors uh, with blockchain projects and Brave and, you know, helps us to continue forward um, in that thread things. Well, I'm really excited to see where things go. I'm going to keep using it, keep earning my bat. I don't know if I'm going to be uh, donating any of it. I'll probably just sit on it for a little while. But uh, I, uh, I encourage everyone who's listening to go try it out. It's super fast. It's one of the best crypto projects I think that I've ever used. It's one of the best built and head to toe. It's clean. It works. Uh, <laughs> and you get what you are not paying for. You get paid to uh, to get it. So uh, <laughs> I encourage you guys to go to brave.com and I'll leave all the links there. Thank you so much for being here, Luke. Uh, and if there's any parting wisdom or parting thoughts, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, just check us out at brave.com uh, and uh, and give the browser a shot if you haven't yet. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just uh, Luke Mulks of Twitter. If you ever want to yell at me about anything, just give me a shout. Um, and thanks so much for having us on, having me and on behalf of Brave on. Really appreciate it. Anytime. And love to have you back. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you guys for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode.